0: I'm proud to be a part of a church that is willing to go to where people are at, rather than demanding everyone come to us. I don't know what your experience is with church, but for many cases, we think about the only place a church goes is to some remote village in Africa, maybe, but the beauty of the internet, there are lots of uh, ugliness about the internet, we don't need to go there today, but... We're able as a church to meet people where that, for whatever reason, uh, a person is unable to attend a location. So, by the way, hello everyone online. Uh, We as a church believe strongly that anyone and everyone matters, so we've got to do things like offer, not just, hey, view this from afar on the internet. We want to walk with people. So, you need to know that to understand the Christmas offering for this year is an opportunity for you and I to help More spaces and places happen so people can know who Jesus is. And just so you know, the Christmas offering goes to things like locations like the online location. Because many of us are brand new. We're like, never heard of this. So here's the deal. We're copying the Christmas story. It's a good story. Really happened. Where some fellas showed up with some special gifts. I don't know what your view is of the nativity scene. I mean, just not to break anybody's heart, but everyone didn't show up at the same time. But on that, in that nativity scene, there's typically guys with like fancy hats and, and they brought very expensive sacrificial gifts above and beyond what was normal. Well, we as a church copy that every single year by saying that you and I ought to not just give gifts to our friends and our family, but to bring a financial gift to God. That's what the offering is all about. But I also wanted you to know, where does the church spend those sacrifices? We try to create more spaces and places for people to know who Jesus is. So super excited about that, hope you are too. I wanna finish our series though. During our time where we're going to go after the the stories of Christmas, if you've missed the series, here's what you need to know about the series, is that we've brought up what the Christmas story brings up, that you have value, you have uh, grace in your life ready for you to receive, it's awesome. I mean, the Christmas story itself is amazing, but most of us, when we think the Christmas story, think about the very fact of this nativity scene, like, yeah, this baby Jesus shows up and it's... It's cute, it's precious, but if you, stay just, if you stay just in the nativity scene, if you, if you focus just on the, the animals there and the manger, here's what you're in danger of, of missing why it all happened. So this, this last series, this, this going into the Christmas time, I, I want to bring up what Christmas is about like, not just like, well, Jesus showed up and there was this baby and it was awesome and a star and shepherds. and It's got major meaning for both you and I. And we have to, I know this will sound weird for a pastor to say during Christmas. Listen, we have to leave the nativity scene for a little bit. And we have to go at to why, why did Jesus even show up? Uh, let, me, let me read to you. He died for everyone. So that those who receive his new life, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. If you ever want to know what Christmas is about, it's not actually about this baby Jesus and that's it. it it's this. He, let, me, let me walk us through this. He died for everyone. The Christmas story, what happened then, is for everyone. Do, do not think that's it's just for people uh, inside of a church or, or, or just the, the good people in this life. Jesus showed up for everyone, but, not, but here's the truth of it. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Those, those who receive, so you see that Jesus came for everyone, but not everyone is going to be believing in that. That's, that's the sad part of that. But it says the word receive, which is a Christmas word, right? We receive, and you're like, how do I even know if I've received this truth about Jesus Well, it says, I mean, literally, so those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. Where where your cravings, your desires... They're always submissive to what God says. If 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 what you want is different than what God wants, you go with what God wants. You don't do it perfectly. But if you want to know if you've received Jesus into your life, it's where you've decided that each day you wake up and you're saying, what's today going to be about? It's what, what God wants it to be about. God's best. The Christmas story oozes like this receive, receive. In fact... Let's hop to verse 18. And, and all of this is a gift from God. There's, that's Christmas, see? And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Christmas is indeed a gift. You probably have heard Jesus is the reason for the season, right? I mean, that's... And, and Christmas is about this gift. Yay, grace. Yay, yay mercy and And, and yay, this amazingness, and, but, but then, I mean, you, you get the gift that you love, and it's awesome, but then, I mean, if you have, if you open up presents, I don't know when you open them up for Christmas Eve, Christmas, or maybe you can't hold a secret, and you've already done it, and you're like, yeah, we, we just never are good at this, Uh, a part of a part of the whole gift thing is, here, this is brilliant, what I'm about to share with you. Uh, you should write this down. Getting what we want feels awesome. None of you are writing that down. It's great. Fine. Uh, getting what we want. is, and So you have this Christmas season about you know, like the arrival of Jesus and grace and mercy. And if you've ever wanted a second chance of forgiveness and all that, it's like, yeah, this is awesome. And it, and it feels good, just like when you're opening a present and you're like, this is amazing. Um, let me walk you into my home, and I don't know if some of you are going to be offended by this, but I need to talk to you about the, the grand disappointment of Christmas Day. Maybe you've experienced this, where you open up presents. Everyone does. You get, you're watching people, and you hear joy. Yeah, it's awesome. And then, and then all of them are open. And then it's like, it's over. I mean, all the all the songs that led up to it. The tree is still right there, and you're like, eh, "Tear it down! It's all over. Move on." There's there's a bit of a disappointment. In fact, in fact, in our home, it gets even uh, more selfish. It's awesome, um, where one kid will open up a gift, and it's exactly it's exactly what they wanted. I mean, many of us that, that's the goal, right? And they're they're ecstatic. Like if if all of life happened to them. They wouldn't care as long as they got that one thing and you watch them open it up. But, but here's what we've experienced in our home where, where one will open it up and there's another kid watching them full of jealousy. Like seeing one, I could have asked for that. I didn't know that. That looks amazing. And, and, and here's what's never happened in our home uh, is one of our kids opening up like their dream present, right? They're like, this is all I wanted in life. Would anyone else like to play with it first? I, and, and if you wanna play with it first, you just tell me later when you're done. And if you've broken it, it's totally cool. Just let me know when you're done with it and then I can play with my extremely all I've ever wanted present. And That's never happened in our home. I've never personally actually done that. Uh, it's amazing the tension and the disappointment that happens at the end of the gift time. I'm ashamed to tell you that many times as a kid, we'd get done opening up gifts and I completely disregarded all of the financial sacrifice that went into that and I was just mad and Christmas was a wash because I didn't get what I wanted. When the gifts are opened, many of us feel like Christmas is done. And the same thing happens when we talk about the real meaning of Christmas. Many Christians, when they receive the gift of Jesus, grace and mercy, salvation, and we're like, this is amazing, this is awesome. Many Christians then think, I've accepted the gift, I'm done. Many of us think that it's over, the whole meaning of it is just about receiving it. And it's different. Let me take you back to the Bible and I'll read you the other part that I didn't read to you. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Notice that in the midst of receiving, this is a gift. Yeah, there's a task. Many Christians have a tendency to accept the gift and disregard the rest of the verse. <laughs> there's a task of reconciling people to him. Now notice, for those of us who misinterpret this, let me just clear something up. It's not the task of making people feel really bad about the things that they've done. It's not the task of yelling at people and saying, you will go to hell, you better turn right, real quick. No, reconciling people to Him. The task of it. So let me talk to Christians for a little bit. Christmas is a calling. Christmas is... It's not just a moment where you're reminded of a gift of grace that you have received, which that's a part of it. I'm not hating on that. I, more than anybody, or at least as much as anybody, needs grace. It is an incredible gift from God. But many of us, especially during the Christmas season, think it's, think it's just about getting, and as soon as you get it, you think, I'm done. I sure hope others get what they wanted. And inside of Christmas is a calling. No matter what you do, is a vocation. See, when we talk about calling, you're like, "Well, I don't. I have this other job thing, and or I, I do this." No, 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 no. Every every Christian has a calling, and Christmas is this constant. Annual reminder that we even now, I believe, start hearing about Christmas in like September. It's crazy. I mean, all of a sudden, like half a year worth of, oh, Christmas is coming. And and what a beautiful thing for us, those that we call ourselves Christians, to say, what am I going to do with this season? It's a calling. And and let me keep reading to you the same area of the Bible I've been reading to you. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against him. I mean, that's awesome. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Just for a second. If you're not a Christian, you can just sit back and relax. Relax. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, according to this, God has been making an appeal to others through you. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Let this have weight for you in the midst of Christmas. Here, here. Every Christian has a calling to be an ambassador. And Christmas is the kind knock on the head. Hey, did you know that? <laughs> hey, are you remembering that Christmas isn't just about receiving, receiving, or being reminded that you are receiving? It's a, about giving. If you're confused by the word ambassador because of just government stuff, uh, I thought I'd show you a, a, a literal, an actual literal translation. If you were to get into the original language, this was written in the Bible. Here's the literal, it's active Representative. Now you know about the representative part, that's normal, that's in our context. I want to talk about the active part. Here's the problem that's unfolding for many Christians, is that we're not very active when it comes to the good news about Jesus. We begin to say, well, that's inconvenient, it's too expensive, I don't know what to say, I don't know the right things. And so many of us, or just out of laziness, are spending all of our time receiving, receiving, I could use a harsher word, consuming, consuming, and we're forgetting that we have a calling, that when we decided to follow Jesus, it wasn't just about us. It's it's why we as a church have a mission that oozes all from this, showing people who Jesus is. If you want to know what this means to us, to this church, it's that There are people who don't know who Jesus is. There are folks who are wondering, like, how do I find hope and joy and even peace in this world? How do I find it? And and Jesus started the church and said, through the church, people will know who Jesus is, and they can discover the hope and forgiveness that they've craved and this fulfilling life. So our mission is to show people who Jesus is. If you've ever wondered like what does it actually look like to show someone who Jesus is? Because some of it, it's it's not just like telling someone just the truth. There's grace in there and many of us actually don't know what it looks like and feels like to show someone who Jesus is. Meanwhile, the Bible's been talking to us. God's been talking to us about well, to show someone who Jesus is involves this reconciliation, this restoration. I can tell you a story about others, but I don't think that's what we need to hear today. Every couple of years, I tell you a story about myself. I've had my own personal experience of someone and multiple people showing me who Jesus is, taking the the Bible that I have already read to you and living it out. I think it fits here. Um, When I graduated college, I got a job. Yep, got a job. It was as a youth pastor or student pastor. What that means, if you're unfamiliar with that, is a church hired me to be a pastor to teenagers. And, and so showed up, had no idea what to do. Those of you who went to college you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're kind of trained. And so I show up and, and, and I'm a single guy going, um, I gotta find an apartment. I don't even know how to do that, and and do all the you know the, the beginnings of life kind of stuff that way. And then, and now I'm a pastor. and What in the world? And um, in the midst of this new job and all that, I uh, I met Katie who was attending the church that I was a youth pastor at. Katie's my wife, and and we hit it off fast. I mean, she fell in love so fast. I mean, or, uh, I'm just joking. No, uh, I f- I fell fast and. Uh, and I joke about this because I, I literally went from like video games to to walks in the park, talking about my feelings. Yeah, I it, it's it's and and then, like muting, muting all of my friends, my buddies, and like all that I thought was important was like forget that. It's all now about Katie, and we just quickly, our relationship just developed and developed and. And we knew, really, we, we knew that each other, like, this was this is this is gonna work. The problem, though, was that we fell in love, but we set up no boundaries to the relationship, even though we both love Jesus. Maybe you've found yourself here where you love Jesus. You wanna go after God's best, but even though you believe it, you don't always do it. That was Katie and I. Um, we believe strongly that that there are levels of intimacy that you reserve for marriage. But we didn't follow that. And it wasn't uh, about a year into our relationship that Katie said, hey, uh, we're expecting a baby. We weren't married. I know some of us are like, well, I've heard, what's the problem with this story? I I know commonplace nowadays, it's, it's not at all abnormal for a couple to get pregnant and then get married but that's not what we believe was the best thing and not only that is I was a youth pastor if you've ever read the part of the bible that talks about <laughs> higher expectations and responsibilities for pastors it's very it's there and it's true and so I I had to and should resign my job and lost the privilege of being a pastor I mean Katie and I we loved each other uh obviously uh, we got married and are happily married But there were consequences to this. And one of the consequences we knew, or I should say assumed, was that the church we were a part of, we could never show our faces there. You may have never thought this, but here's what I thought. Even as a youth pastor, I knew what Christians could do to people. And I was convinced that if you screw up, some of the first to throw stones uh, will be the Christians. And so... Katie and I, I remember packing up my box at the office, at the church, walking out of the church to my car, and in my mind was, I will never even see this church building again. We have got to quite literally get out of town. I remember going to the grocery store, and since I was a youth pastor, many of the people who were bagging groceries were students from my student ministry that I was a pastor of and I was afraid to see them. We, it was like just duck and hide and let's get out of town as fast as possible. Katie and I began to look for a home a couple hours uh, to the east where family lived and we're like, we've got to get out fast because the Christians, the church people, they're gonna come after us. I know for some of us, like, are you? is that bad? I, that's, what I, that's what I had in my head. And in our process of planning to get out, We left that church and didn't look back. We got a phone call. I got a phone call. I answered it. Uh, It was was a parent of one of the teenagers. And I was like, oh no. Was fully anticipating to be torn apart on the phone. I, I even felt like I deserved it. If you've ever done something wrong and you got caught, sometimes we feel like, well, I have betrayed people. I failed so many people in the midst of this. So I had this moment where, where I actually was wrestling with I deserve, I deserve the, the punishment. I deserve all of the problems that now unfold from this. And I was fully expecting that all the people that we had failed to cut us off. I mean, I was going through a list in my head. I was going through a list. of well, I, I remember talking to Katie's parents. This is not at all what they had dreamt for their daughter. I remember talking to my parents, confessing how I failed them my boss, to, to friends. I failed so much. And, and, and if you're anything like me in the midst of all this, here's failures that usually feel fatal. They usually feel where the relationship is gone, it's over, it's run, it's hide. And, and if anyone is able to even get a hold of you, they're gonna make sure that, that you know it's, it's over, right? Most of us, when we fail, there's this feeling and expectation. It's all over. And so I got a phone call from a parent fully anticipating that it was going to be one of the ugliest conversations that I've ever listened to. I was not going to speak. Um, the parents said, hey, would you and Katie come over to our house? I was like, oh, that's where you want this to go down. Oh. And, and, and sadly, just so you know what shame does, again, I was like, well, I deserve this. So I agreed to it. Katie and I, uh, we show up to the house and there was a lot of cars there. I'm like, they don't have, they don't have this many cars. We walk in and uh, there were more parents there. I remember walking in literally preparing myself to be destroyed. Because it always feels like a failure is fatal. Well, I walk in and there's no yelling. Oh. In fact, we walk in and everyone kind of stood up and started walking towards us. And all we got were hugs. And, and they began it without us saying, oh, we're so sorry. They said, we want you to know that we love you and we forgive you. And we're so glad you're here. We didn't know if this was a trick. <laughs> And they begin to unfold, like, hey, well, we know, that, we know that you guys are getting married, so we're about to start a marriage Bible study. We thought you would want to come to it. We're like, and? And that was it. So we started going to that Bible study. Led by and mostly full of parents of the teenagers that I used to pastor. People that I had failed. Well, they noticed that we had not been going to church, which it's like, I mean, some of us right now, well, okay, a small group of people can love you. Well, they they said, hey, we think you should come back to church. We're like, (laughs) no. We had resolved that we would stay in that town, but we weren't going back to the church because we just just know, right? You just know that if you show up, that's when people start to stare at you. "Mm. Looks like David came back. It's like a bad western movie, right? And Many of us think that's what church is. Many of us have experienced that at church. We're like, no, no, no. Finally, I didn't have any good reasons to keep saying no. I said, fine, fine, fine. We'll go to church. We get there as late as I possibly could get there. I mean, because I was like, if we get there too late, we can't go in. That's how this works. Uh, Pull into the parking lot of the church that I used to work at. And as I'm about to get out of the car, the guy leading the Bible study is just there at my door. I'm like, you must have been watching. And he walks us in. I was like, we're sitting in the back. He's like, that's fine. And we sat in the back. No one threw anything. You know what? People may have said some stuff, but we never heard about it. We had this church going, "We love you. We forgive you." A couple of years would pass and I would get restored by that church. Out of that church, I eventually would stand on that stage and help plant a church out of that church. I still have great relationships with many people there. And I've learned that fail- failure doesn't have to be fatal. There are so many more stories of God showing us that a church can show people who Jesus is. If you want to know why I'm even a pastor today, it's because of the story I just told you. Many of us have other stories, and it could have gone another direction, right? There were times along the way that I wanted to quit, and I would get a random phone call from a guy I hardly knew saying, hey, felt like God pressed on my heart to call you and say, don't quit. I'm like, what in the world? And I would keep going. Here's here's what I experienced from the Bible, because this is big. For God made Christ, who, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Do you know that this is the meaning of Christmas? Christmas isn't just about a baby Jesus. Christmas is about Jesus showing up to eventually be an offering for our sins. So that we could be forgiven. But listen, it's not just a gift for you. There are people in your life that need your help to know who Jesus is. This is not about a religion thing, getting people to join a church. It's deeper. I wonder if you've owned this calling or simply just received the gift and thought Christmas was over. The Bible gives us help, by the way, on on how to do this, how to walk this out. My friends, if someone is caught in any kind of wrongdoing, we're like, whoa, uh, that's all of us. Those of you who are spiritual should set him right. Now, someone's like, oh, you better believe. <laughs> we we'll won't set you right. No, 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 no. I'll get back to this. Should set him right. But, but you must do it in a, oh, oops, there's more to it, in a gentle way. And keep an eye on yourselves so that you will not be tempted to help carry one another's burdens And in this way, you will obey the law of Christ. Now, let's go back here, here. Should set him right. Again, you don't have to mess with it. I spent time here, here. The the original language here was in a different language. And it was a word used for the same thing if you talked about a a joint in the body that had been dislocated. And what it's saying is that if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you don't actually bear this responsibility with God. If you're a Christian, if you've decided, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, I've accepted this grace and mercy, I am going to go to heaven, I've owned this, I'm walking in this, then you signed up for a calling to help others who get dislocated get put back into place. It's also used, in their context, if a fishing net had been torn or, or ripped or, or just like broken, and mending that back together, fixing the net, Listen to me, Christians. Every one of us has someone in our life, multiple people in our lives, who have done us wrong and others wrong. If you want to know how should I respond to them, according to God himself is try to get them put back into place in a gentle way. Some of the original words go after this, restoration. If you don't know what Christmas ought to be about, for many of us, it's 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 receiving the gift of grace, actually letting our own lives be restored, letting our own lives like literally be forgiven, uh, letting letting God be in your life where you submit to his way. That's a part of Christmas. But if you've already received that, accepted that gift, you don't have to do that over and over and over again and just hope it worked. No, you begin to live this out by not just receiving the gift of grace, but giving the gift of grace. And I'm telling you, if you wanna know why the church is often seen as judgmental, hypocritical, or anti-anybody else that's just not in the buildings. It's because many of us opened up the gift and thought it was over. And the only reason I'm your pastor, the only reason, is because a group of people said, it's not over. I wonder who you have in your life that is wondering if it's over. And here's what I've learned in my own life, I wanna pass it on. Here, restorations always start with invitations. Hey David, would you and Katie come over to the house? In fact, if you walked this in your own life, before you were ever born, God put an invitation to you in place. It got launched at Christmas, an invitation for you to receive his gift. I believe wholeheartedly that others who are in desperate need of a restoration, they need invited. And Christmas can be the time that prompts you and I. In fact, many of us need to find a friend that we just need to invite to coffee. And they're gonna be shocked by your phone call Or your text. (laughs) Maybe it's a lunch. Maybe it's over at the house. Maybe it's to a movie. Maybe it's the church. But I don't know of many people who don't know someone in their life who needs grace. Who needs an invitation into your life. It doesn't mean, hey, I've got an invitation to show you all the things that you've done wrong. If you would just sit down and let me unfold that for you. No, an invitation to be loved. In fact, I, I want to be more specific with you. You're well aware that our church has a ton of Christmas services. If you want to know why, like why, why not just do one? It's because with more than one, a lot more people can come know who Jesus is. Why do we do it on multiple days so that more people can know who Jesus is. With that comes an opportunity. You know that we as a church offer um, an opportunity not just for adults to know who Jesus is, but kids. Uh, it's If kids hear my message this Christmas, they're going to be like, what? Um, if it makes sense to them, you have a prodigy on your hands? And so what we've done is we've put together an incredible kid's service. So the kids will know who Jesus is. They will get it. They will receive it. They will understand it. It will go into their soul. But here's our problem. We need over 200 more volunteers to make it happen well. We have a ton of people who love to put their kids in the kids ministry. We don't have a ton of people saying I'm going to help those kids know who Jesus is. So if you need a Call it a super specific, how do do I help someone become restored? You help a kid know who by the time during that their parents are able to hear the gospel. Just putting that on your side of the table. There's a card. You have the card. You might be sitting on the card. You're like, how do I do this? You just take the card, fill it out, and know what to do with it. Other, others of us needed to actually deliberately say, Hey, will you come with me in Christmas here? What service can you go to? Let me help you get tickets and all that kind of stuff. And you begin to have that. Maybe, maybe it's even beyond that. Maybe it happens in the new year, though, when you start to pursue the person in your life that is desperate for grace and you're the one to bring it. But listen to me, Christians. It's not over when you open your gift, it's just starting. So let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, I want to start by telling you we are so thankful that you gave us the gift of salvation. God, on behalf of of the whole church, whoever's listening, God, whoever has actually received your grace and your mercy, who's ever literally owned this forgiveness that you offer us, Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for the gift that we could not earn, that we do not deserve, that we couldn't merit, that we couldn't be good enough to get. God, we accept the gift. We are thankful for it. Lord, I pray for those right now who have never actually asked you to be a part of their lives. Lord, in this moment, would you speak to them and let them know you love them. No matter what's played out in the past, you love them and have a gift of salvation for them. And Lord, for the others who have accepted this, help us to own this challenge. God, would you help us make Christmas something that it was designed to be? A moment where people are restored. Would you give us names of people? Even prompt us in moments where we don't even know the the person. Lord, help us to invite people into a moment of restoration. Lord, would you help us be a church that models this, that lives this out? A place, a group of people who help other people know who you are. God, thanks for meeting us. We love you so much and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.